Well, Merry Christmas to all of you joining us today. We are having an incredible Christmas season, and we are celebrating each week during this series, Christmas Hope. Christmas is a time that brings us hope, and we definitely need hope right now. In this time where it feels like there is so much hopelessness all over the world, it seems like a dark, bleak time, and in many ways it is. We have found that there is hope that we can have, not hope in our feelings, not hope in our desires, but hope in a person, hope in Jesus Christ, who he is, his track record and all the promises that he has made. And Christmas is a yearly reminder that God indeed keeps his promises. And because of that, we can have hope. And we've looked at the fact that we can have Christmas hope because Christmas reminds us that God knows when to show up for us. He showed up right on time. The Bible says Jesus came into the world at the perfect time to redeem us. And then we learn that God also knows. He knows when to speak up for us. We serve the God who speaks. He's not dead. He's not some idol that we created. He is the one and only, the true living God, and He is the God who speaks. Well, today we're going to see that we can have Christmas hope because our God also knows how to hold us up. We're going to find today that God will hold us up when we're weak, when we're discouraged, when we're down, when we're not worthy. God holds us up and Christmas reminds us of that. In fact, today we're going to look at the idea of Christmas songs. And they're all around us, right? I mean, if you walk in a mall right now or walk in maybe the office where you work or just about anywhere across the country, you're going to hear Christmas songs. When you're flipping through the dial on your uh, stereo in your car, you're going to hear Christmas songs everywhere. There's Spotify, Christmas list everywhere you turn. Now, some people don't like this. Like, uh, some people get tired of Christmas songs. I don't know how that's possible. In fact, I think if you don't like Christmas songs all the time, you might be a Scrooge. You may be a Scrooge, and there's Scrooges all around us, right? So don't be a Scrooge this Christmas. Let's get into the spirit and enjoy the songs of Christmas, and they are amazing, right? And we all have our favorites, but uh, collectively as a culture, as a society, we've kind of figured out some that we think are classics. Some of those would be like, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by Judy Garland. Or what about Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Bruce Springsteen? Or what about The Christmas Song by Nat King Cole? There are albums, classic albums, like The Christmas Collection by The Carpenters. And then there's my personal favorite, Mary Did You Know, written by Mark Lowry, performed by Michael English, and then so many others. Now, these are all great Christmas songs, and that's just a very brief list. There are many others. I bet all of you joining us right now have your own favorite Christmas song. But I'm here to tell you today the greatest Christmas song. I'm going to settle it for all time. The greatest Christmas song that's ever been written is the first one. It's the first Christmas song that was ever written, ever performed, ever sung. And the one who wrote it and the one who sung it is Mary. Mary herself, the mother of Jesus, wrote the first Christmas song. We're going to look at it today. It's known as the Magnificat. It is beautiful. It is powerful. It is theological. And it reminds us that we have hope. See, Mary's song was not about hay rides in the snow. It was not about reindeer or Santa or elves. It wasn't about chestnuts and roasting them next to a fire. Those things are all great. But Mary's song talked about much bigger, much more important things, things that can bring us lasting hope. You see, Mary's song, the greatest Christmas song of all time, the Magnificat, was all about a Savior. It was all about Jesus. The baby that she was carrying, the baby that would be born, who would, who would live and die to redeem us and to save us. 
and to change the world, turn the world upside down. It's the greatest Christmas song of all time. And today, we're going to take a look at that song. We're going to unpack it. We're going to see the glory and the wonder of it. So right now, I invite you, join me. Don't be a Scrooge. Cheer up. Let's open the scriptures and let's take a look at Mary's song. So today we're going to take a look at the Magnificat. We're going to take a look at Mary's song that she wrote, the first Christmas song of all time, and it's going to bring us so much hope. Now, as we prepare to look at her song, I want you to know a few things about it. First of all, Mary's song is a great reminder of hope. Mary was not just singing and songwriting just for the fun of it. This is not sentimentality. In fact, the Bible doesn't call you to sentimentality, to just do it because it's nostalgic, or just let's sing because it's Christmas time and that's what we do. I want you to move past that because many of us right now are kind of faking it till we make it this Christmas season. It's been tough, and for many it doesn't feel like Christmas at all. But if we will look at the hope found in the Scriptures, and today in Mary's song, we're going to find that we have lots of reasons to worship and be joyful and have hope this Christmas. And that is the point and the purpose of Mary's song. It was her expressing the reasons that she had to be joyful and to praise God and to have hope. But it was also a reminder to all of us, to all generations, past, present, and future for Mary. She was really preaching to us through this song that even today, 2020, the pandemic, all that's going on, that we can still have hope. She wasn't just singing to sing. She was singing for a reason. And today, her song is going to show us several important reasons that we have to praise God. What I love about Mary too is she didn't just recognize these internally. She actually said them out loud. You know, sometimes we just need to say it out loud. I have found that when I am grateful for things, I don't need to just be grateful internally. I need to, I need to externalize those. I need to actually say them out loud. Sometimes it helps me to become more grateful, to get a better attitude when I just say, speak it, when I say out loud, hey, here's the many reasons I have to be thankful right now. Here's why the situation isn't as bad as it seems. So today we're going to see that Mary did that. She was someone who actually put it down on paper, said it out loud, and there's great power in that. So as we listen to her song and we learn from her song, maybe we can begin to think about what our song could sound like this Christmas. Because I think what we're going to find today is that we all have, if you will, a Magnificat inside of us. If we're believers in Christ, we all have a song we need to be singing. He is worthy of it. We have plenty of reasons to be singing that song. So we're going to dive into the scriptures now. We're going to take a look at that song 
And as we read it and as we learn from it, uh, let's begin to write our own song about the goodness and faithfulness and greatness of our God and the hope that He gives us this Christmas. Let's go to the Scriptures now. So if you will now, take your Bible or your iPhone or your iPad or whatever device you happen to be using. Let's go to the Bible, to the Scriptures. We're going to go to the book of Luke today to find Mary's song. We're going to begin in verse 39. Now the context, if you will, the setting for Mary's beautiful song that she's going to sing is going to be at Elizabeth and Zachariah's house. Now Zachariah and Elizabeth were older people in Mary's life and they were the parents to John the Baptist. Now if you know the story, John the Baptist was what we would call the precursor to Jesus. John the Baptist was one of the greatest prophets. In fact, Jesus said he was the greatest prophet of all. And the Bible tells us and prophesies about the birth of John the Baptist as well. It says that John the Baptist would prepare the way for the Messiah, and that's exactly what he would do. So Mary goes to Zechariah and Elizabeth's home. The Bible tells us that it was in the hill country. And when she goes there, she's going to write this song. So let's begin and let's just see the setting of the great song that Mary will write and sing. It's in Luke chapter 1 verse 39. It says, In those days Mary arose and she went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now there we have the setting for the song. Mary's about to sing. She's about to sing this song that's going to pour out of her heart. But it's important to notice the setting here. Elizabeth does something interesting. When Mary walks up, this amazing thing happens. John the Baptist, the, uh, the baby inside of Elizabeth, begins to leap right for joy inside of her. This is a powerful moment. But then Elizabeth says something to Mary. Elizabeth speaks th three blessings over Mary. Three different times she says, you are blessed Three different times. Now, this is interesting because in our worldly way of looking at things, I don't think any of us would say that Mary was blessed. Not in the worldly sense, right? I mean, let's think about it. Mary is in a very tough situation. In fact, she gets away from her hometown and goes out into the countryside to be with Zachariah and Elizabeth, and I think that's very telling. Mary is in a precarious situation. Although the angel of the Lord has made it clear to her how this has happened, how she has become pregnant, Joseph understands as well, they're on board. It still didn't change the fact that it is a tough situation. Mary is very young. Mary is inexperienced. Mary is probably fearful like any young lady would be. Mary is poor. Mary comes from a nondescript town. Mary doesn't have a lot of help. It's clear, right? She has to go and find it. Mary's in a tough situation. And this goes and flies in the face of a lot of our modern ideas of what a good life is. Because Elizabeth looks at Mary in the middle of all of that difficulty that I just described, and she says, you are blessed. I know you're poor. I know you're young. I know this is a tough situation, a confusing situation. I know that a lot of people are talking about you, Mary, behind your back. A lot of people don't believe this crazy, huge, epic story that you have. But Elizabeth says, you are blessed. Three different times she says, you are blessed. You are blessed more than you could ever imagine. And Mary, you're going to find out in just a moment, agrees with that. 
And see, here's what we learn from this right out of the gate. The presence of difficulty does not exclude the possibility of blessing. In fact, what we find, and the Bible teaches us this from the beginning uh, to the end, is that oftentimes difficulty leads to the greatest blessings. In fact, hardship uh, often is uh, the recipe that leads to our greatest times of joy and blessing and growth. And so today, the first thing we need to understand is, yes, we find ourselves in a tough time as a society in the world, in a culture. Global pandemic, we don't know where it's headed. Maybe the vaccine's going to work, maybe it's not, who knows? Here's what I do know, though. Just because the world is hard right now, just because life is tough right now, doesn't mean we're not blessed. And if we will believe in the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus of Christmas, if we will believe that we can have the same viewpoint, the same lens that we look at life through that Elizabeth and Mary had, uh, the hardships, uh, they don't take away the blessings. In fact, sometimes they lead to them. Mary was in a tough spot, yet she was blessed. And I will say to you today that the Scriptures, the scriptures would remind us that Many of us are in a hard place, but the blessings are there. We've got to look for them. We've got to look for Christmas hope. Now, let's take a look at the song Mary is going to sing, the greatest Christmas song of all. So let's take our devices and our Bibles again. And now we're going to begin in verse 46, Luke chapter 1. And here is Mary's song. It says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and returned to her home. What a beautiful, beautiful song this is. What an amazing moment in Scripture this is when Mary sings her song. Now, this is known as the Magnificat. Magnificat is Latin for magnify, to magnify. Now, what we see here is that Mary does not magnify herself. We're going to see that Mary magnifies the Lord. She magnifies God. She magnifies the baby inside of her. She magnifies Christ. Her magnification is not of herself, it's not of her faithfulness, not of her worthiness, not that she was a good person and that's why God chose her. No, no, no. Mary has the attitude of a true believer. It's one of humility, it's one of gratitude, it's one of joy, it's one of just being blown away that God would choose her to do this. And what you see right out of the gate is that Mary does not see this as a burden, she sees it as a blessing, she sees it as a gift. She has been given one of the toughest assignments that any human's ever been given, and yet she sees it as a wonderful, wonderful gift from God. So now what we're going to do is we're going to see that Mary gives us four big reasons in the Magnificat that we too can have hope, that we should be singing our own song to God, that we should have hope and joy, that we should praise Him and worship Him no matter what the circumstances in our life. Because Mary's circumstances were tough, so are ours. But our God is great 
and we have every reason to praise Him. So now let's take a look at the reasons in Mary's song that we have to have joy, to praise God, and to have Christmas hope. So now let's begin to unpack this great song. Let's just go line by line, and, and let's begin with verses 48 to 49. Take a look at it again. Uh, she tells us that she's magnifying God right out of the gate, not herself. And then she says this, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Now, the first reason Mary gives us in her song that she was praising God and had hope, and the reason that she gives us right out of the gate is God's grace. God's grace is a reason for us to have hope. Mary has seen that God knows how to hold her up. He has done things for her that she realizes she does not deserve, and that is what grace is. Grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. And Mary reacts the way we all should to that grace of God. Since she knew that she did not deserve God's grace either, she was grateful for it. Now remember, it's impossible for you to be truly grateful for something that you think you deserve. What we see out of Mary is something very different than we see out of, out of humanity often. We, we tend to be entitled, right? We have this sense of entitlement that we deserve what we deserve and that we should be blessed and that we should be happy people and life shouldn't be hard. But here we have Mary being completely blown away that in her unworthiness, listen to what she says, my humble place, my humble estate, she understands that she has not earned this. She also understands how strange in a way it is that God would choose her, young woman, and not from any type of royalty, right? She's in a little town. She's poor, nothing special, at least on the outside that you can tell. Yet God has chosen her and she is blown away because she is not entitled. She does not think she deserves anything from God. And yet God has blessed her and she recognizes it. By the way, there's nothing wrong with recognizing God's blessings in your life. If God's blessed you, then don't just keep that inside. Proclaim it. Mary doesn't just tip her hat to God and acknowledge His blessings. She proclaims His blessings out loud. And evidently, Mary was a singer and a songwriter. And, and, and maybe that's not your thing, but maybe you need to find a way to proclaim. Get it out that God has blessed you, that God has been good to you. Now think about it right now while you join me, wherever you are, maybe on your back porch, or maybe you're sitting in the living room uh, next to a Christmas tree. And, and, and maybe if you just pause for a minute, you will realize just how blessed you really are and just how good God has been to you. That is what Mary does, and she starts off talking about God's grace, God giving her what she didn't deserve, God choosing her to be the mother of Christ. And she also understands that this is going to have so, so far-reaching implications. It's going to be amazing. The entire world's going to be blessed through her as she's blown away by this, and we can learn so much from that. And see, all of our songs are going to be a little bit unique. Your story is not exactly like Mary's story. Your story is not exactly like mine. That's the beauty of singing our song to God. And we all have a song that we need to sing. Because Mary's story was unique. She's been chosen to be the mother uh, to Christ Himself. Uh, she has a very, very unique story. But you do too. And I bet if you could tell your story, it would blow people away. How faithful God's been. How good God has been to you. Uh, even in the middle of the pandemic, I bet we all have our own stories about how God has gotten us through, how He's been faithful, how He has held us up. And sometimes we forget that and we lose our hope when we forget it. But maybe right now as you look at the Song of Mary, you'll be reminded that God has shown His grace to you. 
So right now, would you just take a moment and think about the, the ways in which God has been good to you and think about His grace in your life. What has God given you that you didn't earn, that you didn't deserve, that you are not worthy of, and yet He still gave it to you? Right now, think about God's grace because the first thing Mary does in her song is she proclaims and praises God for His grace, this unmerited favor He has given her. And she's blown away by it. And I think you and I should be blown away as well at how good God has been to us. The song says it well. His grace is amazing. And His grace gives us Christmas hope. Let's look at the next lines in Mary's song, The Magnificat. These are beautiful, beautiful lines. Listen to what it says, verse 50. And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. Oh, what an incredible verse, because now what Mary's going to do is she's going to give us another reason to praise God and have hope this Christmas, and it's this, God's mercy. God's mercy. Now, what is God's mercy? Well, His grace is God giving us what we do not deserve, but His mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. And Mary recognizes that not just her, but all believers for all time, we did not deserve His love, His grace. We certainly didn't deserve Jesus. We didn't deserve for God to give His one and only Son to save us, yet He did that. And, and, and so God did not give us what we did deserve. What did we deserve? Because God's mercy is withholding what we do deserve, what we have earned and what we have all earned in our rebellion against God, since the Bible says all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. That included Mary, and Mary knew that about herself. What we find is great self-understanding when it comes to Mary here. Mary says, I not only received God's grace, I have needed His mercy, and He gave me His mercy. Mary got what she didn't deserve by being chosen by God to bless the whole world for all time. But she recognizes that she did not get what she did deserve and what all sinners deserve. And that's punishment and eternal separation from God. That's what all of us have earned with our own rebellion. We can blame it on Adam and Eve all we want, but we all know the truth. When we look inside of ourselves, when we're all alone and we really think about it, we've all messed this thing up, haven't we? We've all sinned against God. And we all together, collectively and as individuals, we deserve punishment for it. We deserve the full righteous judgment of God. And that's what was headed our way, like a freight train coming down the tracks and us all tied up and placed on the track like a cowboy in a Western, just waiting the for the train to hit him. And then at the last moment, Jesus removed all of us from the tracks who would believe in him, and he took the train. He took the train of God's judgment for us. And Mary sees that that's what this baby is going to do. She understands that God... Instead of giving us what we deserved, He gave Jesus what we deserved. Jesus took it for us, thereby showing us God's mercy. Let me ask you something. As we look at Mary's song, she can't get over it. She proclaims, she is literally full of joy. She proclaims the fact that God has been so gracious to her and that God has shown her such mercy. How about you? Have you ever stopped to think about just how good God has been to you in showing you His mercy? What do you really deserve? What have you really earned in your life from God? I mean, have you lived a perfect life? Have there been times where you went against God's clear instructions for your life? Have you made choices that you regret? Have you made choices that, that were rebellious against God? Well, we all have. 
We have all collectively and individually shaken our fist at heaven with our own actions and our own attitudes and our own hearts. And yet, God in Jesus Christ, this is what Christmas is all about. In Jesus Christ, God gave us what we didn't deserve. And He didn't give us what we all did earn. This is an unbelievable truth. It should give us great joy, great hope. It's a reason to sing. It's a reason to have our own song to sing this Christmas because God's mercy gives us Christmas hope. As we look at this line about God's mercy, Mary also points out that it's multiple generations. She talks about generation to generation when it comes to God's mercy. What does she mean? She means that not only does she need God's mercy individually, she says every generation of humans from the very beginning, Adam and Eve, their kids, and on and on, every single generation from the past to Mary's present, going forward to all of us, all humans of all time, we have desperately needed God's mercy extended towards us. And thank goodness He did that for us. None of us are out of the picture. We're all in the picture that Mary is painting here, not just for herself, but for all of us. Every generation, every single one of us, we have needed the mercy of God. And through Jesus Christ, it has been provided for us. So let's look at the third line from Mary's song that's going to be so powerful. We're going to begin in verse 51. It says, He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent empty away. So now Mary praises God and has hope in Him because of His strength. She now sings about God's strength. In fact, the, the word she uses here is, and the phrase is known as an anthropomorphism. Now what that is, an anthropomorphism, is when the Bible uses language that we can understand as humans to help us understand something about God and His character. So here it uses an arm, right? Now we know that, uh, uh, that God, there, there's, not a, there's not a literal arm, but it's trying to help you understand the idea of an arm and God's strength. And what Mary is saying is she's experienced His strength. God has held her up and her humility and her uh, humble origins and her failures and her sin. God has forgiven her, shown her grace, extended mercy to her. She, is, she has seen His strength and she has seen that even in her difficult time, in her confusion, God has been there for you. As the angel told her, God is with you, Mary, and she has experienced his strength. His strength. There's, there's nothing like feeling the arm of God wrap around us and hold us up. Have you ever been so weak that you needed God to hold you up? Have you ever been so weak that you just thought you would fall down? This happened to me one time. I was a, I love playing baseball. And when I was a teenager, I was at a baseball game one day and I had an ear infection and I still wanted to go to the game and I had a really bad ear infection. What I didn't know is the ear infection was about to give me vertigo. And I hit a ball in a baseball game and my parents were in the stands. I hit this baseball. It was a really great hit too. Oh, it was awesome. I hit the ball and I'm running. I'll never forget. I'm running as hard as I can to first base and I turn first base. And as I turn first base and head to second, the field began to spin. And I'll never forget that I just turned that base and literally just ran in a circle right into the ground. Literally, it's like the world turned upside down. 
And I tried to stand up, and my friends told me later that it was really hilarious to watch me do this. But I kept trying to stand up, and I kept falling down. And all of a sudden, I remember I'm falling all over the field, and I feel this arm come underneath me and snatch me up and hold me up. And it was my dad. Now, my dad is a really strong man. My dad was a firefighter. He was a police officer, has trained his body most of his life, and he's strong, like really strong. I like to call it country boy strong, all right? He just has this weird strength. And I'll never forget as a kid feeling that arm. I could not get my legs underneath me. I, I couldn't get them up under me. I couldn't stand up, and all of a sudden this arm holds me up. And my dad held me and walked me to the car, and my body literally just couldn't even stand. And he took me to the car. We didn't know. We thought something really bad might be wrong. We get to the hospital, and they tell us, hey, he's had, he has an ear infection. He has vertigo. I'll never forget the feeling, though, of my dad's bicep, tricep, forearm wrapping around me and holding me up. That is the picture Mary gives us here. Now, many of you are like I was on that field that day. Many of you right now are weak, and you feel like you can't even stand. You feel like you're just trying to go through the motions of Christmas, and, and who knows what 2021 is going to look like. Some of you are just worn out. You're tired of wearing a mask. You're tired of the uncertainty. You're tired of the vitriol going on in our political landscape. You're tired of hearing all of the negativity. You just can't take any more of it. And can I just say to you, there's a better message there's a message that Mary gives us in the song of a God of strength that knows how to hold us up and you do not have to stand on your own. Here's the beauty of it. If you feel so weak, know that the Bible says in our weakness, He is made strong. His strength is perfect and He will hold us up. And that gives us great hope. If you are a believer in Christ, you don't have to stand on your own. That day I kept trying to stand on my own and I didn't have to. I had my dad right there. He's going to hold me up. He got me to the car, got me to the hospital. What if you today learned to depend on God? What if you leaned into that? What if you said, you know what, I am weak. You know what, I don't have this figured out. You know what, I am discouraged. I am tired this Christmas. You know what, it doesn't feel like a great Christmas. That's okay. What if you're able to do that and you're able to allow God to hold you up? That is something that will give you great joy and give you great hope this Christmas. So today, today, praise God for His strength. I think every single one of us need a line in our Christmas song that comes out of our hearts that sounds a lot like Mary's. And it's this, we have all needed God to hold us up, and He has. And we have all been weak, and our God is strong. And it's only in our weakness that we find out how strong He is. You can trust God this Christmas. You can have joy, you can have hope, because your God is strong. He has strength. And he has strength that he will display for you. Mary's song obviously tells us that God's strength will be leveraged for us believers. Isn't that great to know? But not only does he use his strength for that, but according to Mary, his strength is also used to cast down wickedness, to cast down the proud. And God is a God who uses his strength for his people and against the wicked and against sin and against evil in the world. This is a part that we need to understand about the strength of God. I remember a long time ago, 
uh, I was in the Atlanta airport and I ran into the wrestler Goldberg. Literally, I got to meet Goldberg. Now, Goldberg is a massive man. He's huge. I think he's like six, seven, uh, probably 300 and something pounds, muscle everywhere. And I got to meet Goldberg and shake his hand. He was super nice. And thankfully, he didn't body slam me or anything like that. I think maybe he was intimidated and, and was scared. I don't know. Uh, but what I do know is this. I know he was huge, and I could tell he was really strong. He was wrestling at the time when I met him. He was still an active wrestler. Now, I'll never forget walking away and thinking to myself this. I thought, Goldberg would make a really good friend, and he'd make a really bad enemy, right? Like, I want that guy to be my bud. I want him to be my friend. I want him to be on my side. I do not want to be caught on the wrong side of Goldberg. I don't want him coming after me. Now, now listen. What Mary's telling you is for all of us who believe in God, his strength, his unbelievable, eternal strength is leveraged for us. He fights for us. He cares for us. He provides for us. He is here for us. He holds us up like a father would. But for the wicked, for sin, for the proud, his strength is used against that, against them. And this is something for us to be aware of because God is good and gracious and loving to us. He's also just. He also always does what's right. And we can be thankful for that. Mary, Mary is grateful for all the aspects of God's character. And she sings about it. And she's grateful that God is good and that His strength is for her. And that it's against the wicked. And today we can be grateful for that too. Because sometimes you may look around the world and think, why, why is all this happening? Why won't God do something? And what you have to do is trust Him with that. Trust that he will hold you up and trust that God is going to make everything right in the end. And because of that, we can praise him. And because of that, we can have Christmas hope. So now let's look at the last line of Mary's song, the Magnificat. Let's take a look at it. It's beautiful. She's going to teach us one more thing. She's going to give us one more reason that we should praise God and have joy and have hope. But verse 54 he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. What's she talking about here? Well, here Mary gives us our last reason to praise God and have hope, and it's this, salvation. Mary's talking about God's salvation, his salvation for us. And what she's alluding to here is Abraham and the, the Old Testament fathers. What she's talking about is the Abrahamic covenant. And in the book of Genesis... God speaks to Abraham and tells him that he is going to have descendants and his descendants are going to change the world through his lineage, through his line, through his descendants. The Messiah is going to come, the Savior. God's going to redeem the world through Abraham and through his lineage. It's incredible. It's an incredible promise. And Mary recognizes that she is in that story. She recognizes that this baby that she is carrying is the answer to that promise. Jesus was God's promise kept. And Mary recognizes that. And she praises God for this. She praises God for the salvation that the baby she's carrying is going to bring. She didn't know all the details, but we do. We do. When we look at the Bible, we know exactly what that baby was going to do. Jesus would indeed be a blessing to all people, all nations at all times. That was the promise to Abraham. Mary recognized that promise, and we now know that God kept that promise because Jesus, that baby, would be born God incarnate. He would live a perfect life, never sinning, so that when they arrested him and tortured him and crucified him, he could take our place. 
See, my friends, today, you need to understand this. Jesus' crucifixion was not just an execution. It was a substitution. Jesus took our place on the cross. Jesus stood in our place. Jesus was treated on the cross like He was us, so that forever, if we would believe in Him, we could be treated like we are Him. He gave us His perfect record and took our sin upon Himself and died that way. And then resurrected from the grave three days later to prove it was all true and to forever secure for us eternal life. That is why Mary could sing. In the middle of tough circumstances, in the middle of confusion, in the middle of people talking behind her back, in the middle of having to leave her hometown and go hang out with Zachariah and Elizabeth because times were getting tough. It was hard, but she was blessed. And she could not contain her song. She could not contain that God had saved her, shown her grace and mercy, and that through her, this baby was going to come to the world and this baby would grow up to be the Savior and that this Savior would save all who would believe in Him. He was the great gift, Jesus Himself. Emmanuel, God with us, God incarnate. And Mary, even though life was tough, was blessed. And she reminds us with these four reasons today that you and I, just like her, we have every reason to praise, to worship, to have joy, to have hope. So Mary had her song, and it's the greatest Christmas song of all time. All the others are good. I love Christmas songs. Don't be a Scrooge. Enjoy the Christmas songs. They'll be gone here in just a few weeks. But our Christmas song, our own song that comes out of our hearts, it should never leave our lips. It should always be upon us. I don't think Mary just sang her song that one time. I think it was something that came out of her life. She has the greatest song of all time. She takes the prize, the Magnificat, greatest Christmas song ever. But you know what? You and I have a song too. Our song will be similar to hers. It should have those ingredients. We should praise God for His grace and His mercy and His strength and His salvation in our lives. We should do like Mary did. But, but the details are a little different for all of us, right? Like the way God has shown His strength in your life may look a little different than mine and Mary's. So the way you have experienced His mercy and His grace may have some unique wrinkles and, and, and incidences and moments that are unique to you. That's the beauty of this. The gospel is for all of us, but the intricate details look a little different for all of our lives, don't they? Some of you, God have, has saved you from some things that look different than what He saved me from. And we all collectively sing the same song of God's grace and mercy and strength and salvation. But your song is your song. Mary's song was hers. So the question I have for you today is, when is the last time you sang your song. You're a Magnificat, if you will. When's the last time you magnified God and you told the world out loud, you proclaimed, not just acknowledged, how great God has been to you? When's the last time you did that? Or have you spent most of your time spouting off on social media or to anyone who will listen about how bad the world is, about how, how bad politics are, about how bad your situation is, because that, that, that does not sound like hope to me. That sounds like we've placed our hope in the wrong thing. But, but you and I, we can join Mary in the great song of Christmas, the song of hope, and we can praise God for that. And I bet if you'll stop right now and think about it, you'll begin to see his grace, His mercy, His strength, and His salvation in your life 
And today, I believe if you'll do that, you will again find a place of hope, a place of hope, a place of joy, a place of peace this Christmas. So Christmas is all about hope. Mary sang the best song ever. She was carrying the baby that would be born, that would grow up, who would die, rise again, change the world forever. He changed my life. I bet for many of you, he's changed your life. So today, let us sing our song because we have been given Christmas hope.